Welcome to the Ethical AI mini-series on GovCast. This is part two of our interview with Kelly Rose, Technical Director, Science-Based AI ML Institute at NETL. If you haven't already, go back and listen to part one. Now, without further ado, part two. Part of SAMI's framework is to develop foundational standards and platforms for the responsible and sustainable use of AI. I'm wondering if you could tell us what that looks like how you incorporate frameworks such as the FAIR data principles and other considerations such as those. Absolutely. Uh, we've touched on a little bit of this previously. Uh, foundational standards and platforms, responsible tools and, and, and encouragement of the workforce to, to implement methods that are going to be re reproducible, ethical, explainable, that are you know, we're able to validate and are subject to peer review, and uncertainty. Explaining the uncertainty with your, your result is half the battle. And not everything is picture perfect. It's not black and white. There's a lot of shades and gray in what comes out of these, these uh, AI-driven models, analyses, innovations, and technologies. But they are pushing things forward step by step, and sometimes with a big leap forward. One of the most important foundational standards and platforms, and you, you touched on this, fair data principles refers to findable, accessible, interoperable, reproducible data. This is a this is critical. AI, there are artificial intelligence models that can operate without much of any data. They can operate based on knowledge alone. But it is far more common and easier to pursue AI when you have data available to drive your modeling, your analyses, and your technologies. So it starts with the foundation of data, and that's what FAIR recognized uh, over a decade ago mm. when they first came out, was that historically in, in the technology, innovation, and science domains, engineering domains, the peer-reviewed publication was king. But that publication, while incredibly valuable and an important, important tool in our, in our toolbox for communicating result, for exposing advances to the peer community for further scrutiny, it leaves a lot of data. And increasingly, data includes things like models and software and code and databases and data sets and images and other data-driven resources on the cutting room floor behind the publication that wasn't being responsibly curated, was not accessible for reuse and reproducibility of the study that's in that pub. So back in about 2011, NETL and the Office of Fossil Energy at the time, now Fossil Energy Carbon Management, recognized within DOE the value of the data that was that was being developed from publicly funded projects that they were pursuing both here at NETL and through our, our extramural program. And, and we were asked to start building a foundational platform for public and ongoing collaborative, so private research that helped researchers mature, share and responsibly work with data and when they were ready, publish their data results, data sets, models, tools, code, videos, increasingly dashboards and other applications out for public reuse through an online, fair, compliant approach. 
you know, adherence to fair principles doesn't mean that everything has to push public. But it does mean that you have to have a systematic way of curating the data and data related uh, tools that you've been working on to produce peer review tier product for publication, for technology innovation. And EDX handles that, the Energy Data Exchange, which is the platform that NATL and FECM has been developing for 13, almost 14 years now. That is what we have put into place to underpin and support our ongoing research and researchers and the curation and enduring publication public accessibility of their data-driven products, driving reuse of those data products for next generation applications, but also so folks can go back and reconstruct, validate, find, and, and access the product of those federally funded projects from the FECM program domain. So EDX, the Energy Data Exchange ecosystem, is, is core. It's also integrated into the platform. Many of the foundational requirements from the federal government and from DOE and NETL around who gets access to what data, if it's on the private side, for working collaborative teams that may you know, include multi-organizational collaborations and the need even before, it's now very much common, right? With, Box, Dropbox, Google, Microsoft, all these big tech sector collaborative efforts that allow you to, to meet online for business solutions. But, but this is a tool that has been scaled to do similar type of work for the last decade for our research teams for research-related problems, while also making sure that restrictions to those data access, if we have a partner that's bringing something that is proprietary, as part of a non-disclosure agreement, but we still wanna be able to put that data to use to drive forward the technology that's being developed in that collaborative environment. This platform has the tools inside to help secure that while allowing and enabling that use. And when a product is ready from that federally funded project, it can then be published out on the public side. It comes with a, a internationally recognized data citation. So the team gets credit just like they would for peer reviewed literature. It has the opportunity for peer review, just like a publication historically would. Um, and it's visible and the metadata associated with it is discoverable and elevated through many other platforms that are, that are typical more typically used by, by the standard community for search, but you can also come in through the EDX ecosystem itself and just do a public search on the thousands of data resources that we already curate. And there's, there's many more coming in every day. We were fielding questions just yesterday about a, a couple data sets in the terabyte petabyte scale and how to curate those, get them out in the public side and make them accessible. And, and this is all part of the life cycle of AI. And, and connecting researchers and teams to the right data so they can do AI-based innovation driven by the right data that's authoritative and coming from public publicly funded research. The platform also federates and connects, uses services to connect our, our community base using AI methods and tools, algorithms behind the scenes to find and connect our teams to the things that they're most interested in 
so they don't have to worry about parsing the World Wide Web of, of resources that are publicly available. There's tons of information out there, billions and billions of records at this point, growing every day and every year. And one of the challenges research teams face and what this platform seeks to help address is how to connect teams to what they're looking for. And not just researchers, but regulators, the commercial sector in the FECM mission space, increasingly we're, we're continuing to innovate and architect this platform to make it smarter and more adaptable, democratizing access to data, data resources, models, tools, and capabilities that are gonna help all those different sectors drive the next generation of responsible energy and environmental innovation. I am so glad that you dove into EDX because it is such an incredible resource and it is such an incredible example of how to make trustworthy, authoritative data accessible and make it a resource for everybody. Are there any stories or success stories or stories of research from EDX that you might like to highlight? We've, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things going on. EDX is going through a major transition even right now. One of the one of the, the the challenges of working in a technology innovation space that is that is data and IT driven like this is the only the only constant is everything is always changing. You think about how many times you get a hey, please reboot your browser. We've updated you know the the browser of your choice and and hey, your desktop application needs to be updated. Um, EDX is is going through those types of transitions as well. We're, we're in the process of, we spent the last 10 plus years in a really important strategic partnership with our carbon storage, carbon management partners uh, out of DOE, Fossil Energy Carbon Management Headquarters, where they very deliberately mandated that all of their projects needed to curate their products, their final products through EDX. And it was it was very interesting back in like 2013, 14, when this first first was mandated by them. The EDX operations team was invited to do training and outreach, help people understand that they're there to support them, help them understand the tool can be used just like most most software platforms can be used in a, in a customizable way to meet different project teams' needs. But you know, we held a series of workshops, seminars, and outreach uh, activities at the invitation of, of the program management office. And, and there were those early adopters that were excited. And, and they, they, they were like, this is great. We no longer have to worry about handing people all of our data sets. You know, we're not going to have to field these inquiries anymore. We can include the citations in our pubs and people can just go find it. Like they got it. They connected with it immediately. There were other folks that were more reluctant. They were just, they were concerned. It is a culture shift that everyone's been going through over the last 15 plus years where data is viewed as valuable, software models and tools are viewed as valuable. And it is an extra lift. It is a responsibility. And we're asking project teams to not only publish their results as has been historically the mode of getting product out the door, or patenting a technology, which is a very specific process. But we were basically saying you are derived, you are generating value in these other, with these other products that you're producing, and we're asking you to do more. 
The program is asking you to do more and invest in the future of the carbon management community mm. by responsibly curating your products and your results. So that was seven, eight years ago that we started down that path. And there were those folks that were, that, that were resistant at the time. And it was understandable. It was different. It was more work, <laughs> but it has been so exciting. We have a, we have a, a colleague who published a, a peer reviewed article where they used a combination of all the, the data resources curated on EDX itself, but also did an AI enabled search of the publicly authoritative resources from other entities, state, federal, government, academic, and aggregated a national map of the US of carbon management related data sets that is now available. The open carbon storage data framework is available, collection is available through the EDX ecosystem. And in this next generation of projects that are now ongoing through the Carbon Safe program to, to unlock and accelerate the establishment of a carbon storage and capture economy, commercial and regulatory sector, there are still gaps in those data resources that are needed, but there's a foundation because of that investment the program took early on and the AI-based study um, from NETL to aggregate all those resources, catalog them, curate them, and get them in a more accessible one-stop location that is helping these next generation carbon management projects access those resources and reuse them in those commercial and regulatory activities that are ongoing now. It's also allowing program to understand where there's strategic gaps that maybe they need to invest in additional data collection, field studies, lab studies, et cetera. Uh, so it's an iterative life cycle, but they set that foundation and it's a powerful one. It's also allowed um, there's also pro projects ongoing now that say there are specific priority data sets, you know, dashboards, tools, ways to interact with these data to make it more user-friendly, more accessible, more reusable. So you have all these pieces of the carbon management puzzle, the data puzzle that have been aggregated over the last decade uh, through this program investment and, and the AI-enabled study. And now we're using AI to actually take all those pieces that are disparate and figure out where they are connected, put the puzzle together, build derivative data products, derivative resources that are of priority to the carbon management, regulatory, commercial, and technology innovation communities so that they can do more and work faster and work, work more effectively um, to, to unlock and tap into this next generation energy and environmental community and economy, which has that tie back to the, the EJSJ and community transition pieces that we talked about as well. I really appreciate how you brought in the history and dove into it. Cause as you say, like, this is not something you could ever build overnight. It takes years. And especially as you mentioned, it takes a big cultural shift and really building trust in what EDX is and what it could be in order to get to this place in which you are enabling the carbon management community to do more. That's really, I feel like an important part of understanding something like EDX and 
how it can come to be. You touched on this a little bit, but as we are moving into 2023, I'm wondering what it is that you are most looking forward to this year. 2023 is a really exciting year across the board for the AI technology space, but also for NETL and FBCM. We're on we're on sort of parallel paths. You know, the news is a buzz with this very ground-shaking transformational tool, AI-driven capability, well, suite of capabilities, but chat GPT is the, the big name that's out there and it's a disruptor. It's, it's sort of like the personal computer was in the late 80s, early 90s, where people suddenly had the ability to have a computer at home or you know, the original industrial revolution and how much that disrupted how humans worked and how we accomplished things for the benefit of society, but also for individuals. It's, it's much more complicated than the, the Texas Instrument Calculator, but I remember, I remember when the pocket calculator, that more advanced programmable one, that artificial intelligence tool in my pocket in high school was controversial. I'm going to be able to cheat on tests and other things of that nature. And these are tools. ChatGPT is in the same domain. It is incredibly interesting and has a lot of capability and potential. It also comes with a lot of those ethical validation and, and other uh, social challenges for trustworthiness and appropriate use beneficial use as opposed to nefarious use that that is is where society is going to have to navigate together to figure out how to implement this appropriately but it is a disruptor it is it is a big the open ai team and and the other domains that are pursuing that that type of technology it's very exciting because it's just another example of how ai is helping us distill and use things more effectively and efficiently but you have to still do it responsibly we're on that path at NETL uh, in 2023 through SAMI. You know, we're we're just over two years old as an institute, and that was we were established because of that recognition of what a disruptor AI at scale is, and and a disruptor in a positive way if we do it responsibly. And that is what the institute is trying to help our stakeholder group here at the lab and across our FECM stakeholders. At headquarters and, and, and out across the country. We're trying to make sure that we are providing and unlocking more resources and tools for people to understand these types of capabilities. We're doing our own series of podcasts and tech talks to keep people abreast of what are these changes. We have a panel coming up about ChatGPT and some of our, our in-house researchers and engineers who've been geeking out on it and playing with it and figuring out what are its limits? Where can you use it? How can you benefit from it so that we can help educate and reach out to our institute stakeholder base and help them upskill, help them gain knowledge. And that's not just the technical side of the shop. The way that we operate holistically as a national laboratory, as a research technology innovation um, innovator, it is dependent on the team. And, and so the Institute has also been developing and working collaboratively with our legal, our contracting, our procurement, our partnerships teams, because there are so many things that are changing. Software 
is is something that we are, you know, how do we responsibly ensure that software that we develop is made accessible for the public while also making the transition just like a patentable alloy or other technology innovation of the past? How do we get it out into the commercial sector as it moves up those technologies, the technology scale and moves out of the research applied science domain where we live and needs to transition if, if appropriate as a, as a product that requires partnership with legal and, and contracting other groups. And they're, they're new to this whole AI domain and how do we copyright or trademark and what do we do? So there's a lot of these foundational resources and knowledge tools, workflows that the Institute is working on in 2023. We're also working to accelerate holistically access changing in partnership with our IT and cyber teams, another huge, huge, important partnership. This is a technology space and it requires their engagement so that we're unlocking access to commercial and open source technology tools and capabilities while ensuring the security and cyber resiliency and compliance with all those federal rules, but giving our workforce access to the right platforms, the right tools that allow us to do scalable, large data and AI driven research that allow us to connect and collaborate with outside partners. We have one group that is very, very interested in, you know, a uh, real time AI data driven sensor analysis, um, grabbing analytical information from the labs at three of the national labs, including NETL and two of our partner labs and synchronizing those data sets in a collective environment where they can, they can analyze it and do more with it. EDX is, is growing up into that, that federated online cloud infrastructure space to help enable this type of connection. We're broadening our secure network so we can connect with these partners. So we can move data securely while they're working with it, work with it responsibly and accelerate results, give them access to appropriate tools, both on-prem with our supercomputing and, and GPU clusters, but then push results out where the, the multi-entity team can work with those results and maybe take it up into a cloud or an open source platform for additional analytics, but all through a responsible an authorized framework that won't expose things that are either not appropriate for sharing or are not complete. It's all about upskilling the workforce and giving them the capabilities and tools so they don't have to invent it on a project by project basis and doing it through this integrated institutional approach so that NETL and FACM and our stakeholders can continue to responsibly, effectively, and rapidly take advantage of this AI, big data, advanced computing revolution. Um, while, while making sure that our workforce and our, our stakeholder groups are not all having to, to go down this path and figure it out on their own. So institutionally, that's where Sammy's really focused. How do we do, how do we develop capabilities, communicate the next generation, great, 
greatest hits of things that, that we want our community to be connected to and aware of, but do it responsibly and effectively so that we build confidence in the results that we're producing. Well, I'm excited to see what Sammy does in 2023. And I really appreciated the comparison that these new AI tools that are coming out are as disruptive as a calculator or a cell phone in your pocket. And I think, you know, that moment has only just begun. So there is, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty about what this year will look like and how that's going to go. And it's going to be a huge year to think about responsible AI use now that it is comparatively in people's pockets in a way that it wasn't before. I completely agree. It's going to be, it's going to be really exciting, a little daunting, but if, if we can navigate it, you know, responsibly as, as a society together, I think it's, it's just got a lot of potential to do good for the world. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, I just would say thank you for this opportunity to to share what we're working on and and trying to you know unlock for for our stakeholder base. Uh, we know that there's other groups out there. We've actually benefited and gained from those who have trod down some of these paths before us. Um, I'm a huge, huge um, advocate of high tide lifts all boats. So we're. Uh, we're well aware that that there's there's lessons learned out there from others, and hopefully there's some lessons learned from from what we've been doing here that we've discussed that may help others as well. Um, so I just appreciate the opportunity to share and and have this conversation. Well, thank you, Kelly, so much for joining us. This has been a really fantastic conversation. Well, thank you. That was a great conversation. There was so much covered. Is there anything that you want to highlight or leave our listeners with? I think Kelly really got me thinking about how this will be a very interesting year to see what happens with AI and responsible AI now that it's in our pockets with chat GPT. So I know that I personally am eyeing what that will look like as a disruptor for AI research and the industry at large. Well, I, for one, am not looking forward to chat GPT uh, taking my job and writing my scripts for me, but... Alex, no one could ever replace you. It will never be as kooky as you. That's <laughs> true. You cannot program kookiness. You cannot program quirkiness. I, but see, now that I say that, I'm worried. <laughs> Cue the rewind track. Cue me marking my words as the quirky chat GPT gets released in 2023. <laughs> well, there is so much to keep an eye out for going into the year. A lot of AI developments and a lot of exciting work that you have highlighted in your conversation. Catherine, thank you so much. If listeners want to hear more from GovCast, you can subscribe and receive a new episode every other week. Keep an eye out for more episodes in our Ethical AI mini-series across our podcasts, including our most recent episode on HealthCast. GovCast will be back in two weeks with a brand new interview. But until then, I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Catherine McPhail. Thank you for listening. 
GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.